Hello and welcome to your path to success with Ruth Kearns Volman. This podcast is here to inspire, encourage and equip you on your leadership journey by hearing from successful leaders about their personal path to success. My guest today is Sonsoles Gonzalez. Sonsoles has boundless energy and passion for what she does. Nearly four years ago, she founded Better Not Younger, which is a hair care brand for women who believe that beauty is not defined by age. At the time, she was in her early 50s and had already spent nearly 30 years working in the corporate world, primarily on well-known beauty brands. In this conversation, we talk about her experience of launching a business after a successful career, despite the naysayers, the power and potential of women over 40, and how we can bust the myths about aging. Enjoy the interview. I'm delighted today to be with Sansolis Gonzalez. Sansolis is an amazing woman. Well, we call her a veteran of the beauty care business, maybe. And in the last four years has launched her own hair care brand, Better Not Younger, which is for women who believe that beauty is not defined by age. Sansolis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such a great opportunity. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Now, we met many years ago when we were both working on hair care in Procter & Gamble. I was in consumer research and I was never tired of listening to particularly women talk about their hair because it's something that makes such a difference to their lives, their little problems with it and how great they feel when it looks good. And I also have a personal attachment to my hair because I'm known for having red hair, which I've had since my late 20s when I was doing a lot of dance. And I'm just wondering for you, what, what is so great for you about working on hair care? Well, hair care has always been very close to me as well. I've always liked my hair. I've always worn it long. I always felt that when my hair looked good, I felt good. And over the years working with hair care brands at PNG, I realized that's universal. You know, women feel much better when their hair looks good. If their hair doesn't look good, they know that no makeup is going to make up for that, that they're not, they're not going to feel like wearing their best clothes. There's something about the hair that defines your day. And so I learned that it was such an important emotional part of confidence. And that doesn't change with age. It's the same when you're 15 years old, 25 years old, and then when you're 65 or 85 And I talk to a lot of women in their 80s that still want their hair to look their very best. And they want a compliment on their hair, even though their hair may be much different than when it was when they were young. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to come back to talk more about the brand and and what's so special about it to you. But I wanted to just touch on something else we have in common, which is that we are both women in our 50s. And yet, Women in their 50s get such a bad rap in the world. They often feel overlooked, particularly professionally. What myths about women over 40 would you like to bust? There are so many. The first thing I will tell you is this feeling that women expire. You know, there's something about society that has placed almost like shame on aging, especially on women. 
And associated with that is menopause. It's almost like what marks, even though you may, may not be telling people, hey, I'm going through menopause. It is in our minds, almost like what marks that. And society has told us over the years that we're done around that, that time, 50s. Why is that? It's unknown to me. It's almost like a mystery in and of itself. But if you think about the fact that women, women in our generation may live to be 90, even 100, the next generation, women that are 40 today, very likely will live to be 100. So think about it. You still have half of your life to go through. Why would you feel that you have to throw in the towel and stop being meaningful to society and have a productive life. The first myth is to think that life is over when we are no longer reproductive. And with that come a number of myths and jokes and stereotypes. And so there's the belief that women over 50 are not interested in beauty or fashion, that they're not going to try new products, which is untrue. There's this myth that they are just interested in, I don't know, grandkids, and that's not true, that they are not savvy with technology. It's not true. You know, you see women our age, very active and not just active in social media, but very knowledgeable of how to use computers, technology. So there are so many myths. Then there are stories that we kind of tell ourselves and we joke about, which is like, we're not as capable anymore. We have a brain fog. We forget things. While it may be true, all of us learn to deal with it and manage, just like maybe men do. But for some reason, it's more associated and it's a stereotype that we have put on women and sometimes we put it on ourselves. Yeah. So I really do want to bust the belief that a 50 life is over because you're just really getting started. Yeah. And in fact, the data shows that some of the most successful entrepreneurs are women over 40 and you're one of them. What are the things that women actually have going for them at this age? Of course, it's no surprise. You come with a wealth of experience that you really leverage. And so at 40, you already know what your skills are and what your strengths are. And that makes you much more effective because you work, you really focus on the things that you're good at, but then you surround with people that can help you with the areas that you're not very good at. In my case, for example, when I started Better Not Younger, I knew I was not fully up to date with the digital marketing. And so the first thing I did is find a partner that would be a, an expert in this area and help me out. But I knew that I was very, very strong on consumer insights and understanding the category and understanding product and product development. So that's one thing. The other thing is like, we have a level of confidence that we not did not have in our 20s and our 30s. In our 20s and our 30s, we're constantly questioning ourselves and thinking, I could have done better, or this woman does it better, that person is better. And you're always kind of dealing with these insecurities. Over the years, you learn to let go of and you just become so much more confident. And that confidence, I think it's what makes us more successful in business because we know what we can do. We know what we're capable of doing and we go in and, and go for it. I am not surprised that more women, more businesses are successful when women have gone through the experience, maybe 10, 20, 15 years in the, in the workplace. 
I think a lot of people, a lot of people I speak to go through a little bit of a questioning point in their mid-career or mid-life, but they come out of it much stronger and new things are born. Is that your experience? Is that is that how Better Not Younger was born? Absolutely. I came out of my, I went to L'Oreal after P&G and it was a very exciting time, but I came out totally tired, burnt out, confused, even insecure, you know, about what I was able to do. I, at that time, I was 51 or 52, and I decided that I was going to retire, that I would never work again. That felt good for like three months. It felt, it was like a detox of almost 30 years working nonstop with a lot of pressure. After that detox period, I went through a period, okay, so the only thing I know how to do is work in corporate, so I'm going to go right back to corporate. And I started interviewing again, and I was just so not energized about the possibility of going back to corporate. I was dragging the interviews. I was just not, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And that's when I got the idea and the inspiration to say, what if I did something of my own? I know how to do this. I actually went to an interview at a, at a mid-sized hair care company and I felt like I could do all this. And that's when I, I left an interview and I never looked back and said, I'm not going back to corporate. I have done that. I need to do something else. I also remember my early days in PNG being the ones that I enjoy the most, especially working in Latin America. Why? Because you had to be very resourceful and solved problems. And in a way, you had a, an entrepreneurial spirit that you kind of bang over it over the years and put aside and become a corporate citizen. Mm -hmm. And I realized that my spirit was probably much more creative and entrepreneurial than I thought it was. And yeah, here I am almost four years later, and I've been able to not just launch the brand, but really enjoy the whole process of doing so. That's such a wonderful story because I think so many people feel at that point like they don't have a choice and they do. It's not an easy choice though, is it? What obstacles were there? Because a lot of people think that it may be a dream, but then they never do it because it's just like too much like hard work. You know, what were some well, of the obstacles that you had to do it? I think it was Winston Churchill. The only thing we need to fear is fear itself. And I will tell you, it is so true because you have to believe in yourself. And by the way, there's going to be so many naysayers. People surrounding you are going to say, oh, why are you getting into that? You've worked enough in your life. Like my sister would say that. And then somebody else would say, it's like, you don't know what you're getting into. Or somebody else would say, oh, you're going to risk your financial stability. You know, there were more people encouraging, encouraging me not to do it than people encouraging me to do it. And so you need to like, don't listen to that. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have your eyes and your ears open and surround yourself with good advice, but you got to believe in yourself. Why wouldn't you be able to do it if you had a really successful career in a very demanding company for many, many years? I mean, that in and of itself should be enough for you to think that you're 
good enough and to, to do it. Mm. So one piece of advice is watch out for the naysayers, surround yourself with the right advice. What, what else is there that you need to do to really get this off the ground? One thing that I, I've done from the beginning is I really started to talk to people that were entrepreneurs. It just I just realized doing that, that there was a whole world out there that people like you and I and PNG didn't even understand and realize, mm-hmm. which is the real world of businesses. Businesses that may be doing from like a million dollars to five million dollars to ten million dollars with in the eyes of a big corporation, those are like peanuts, right? But these people are the people you need to talk to and surround yourself with because they will give you the right advice. They will give you the right knowledge and the right connections. So I spend quite a bit of time. I go on LinkedIn all the time and I just reach out to random people. And you'd be surprised. It is very rare that people turn you down. Most people that are entrepreneurs feel that they can help other entrepreneurs because they've been there. And so my advice would be, create a new network. And in addition to that, there's nothing wrong with leveraging your own network, which to me is, is something valuable that I have. When you worked at PNG almost 25 years, like I did, you'd find that your peers are just working in so many places around the world. And so, for example, when I wanted to go to, to HSN, which is like QVC, the home shopping network, I just went in there and I realized the CFO was a former colleague. So I wrote to him and he gave me a contact. It's always like that. You're, you'll find that your network is sitting somewhere where they're willing to help you. And they will. They always. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because that's also been my experience. People are much more generous than you think they're necessarily going to be. Because when, when you're in a big corporation, it's a whole kind of universe in itself. And once you get outside, you, your eyes are open to a whole bunch of new things. That's great. And I'm always telling people, just reach out. You know, you'll, you'll see if they, if they say no, so what? You know, so I, I really, I love that piece of advice too. How did you go about getting the right people on board as you were launching the company and creating a new team? Yeah, that's a great question. We have the tendency of finding people that think like us, that operate like us. It, I think it's, for me, it was human nature. So Inevitably, I do have a lot of PNGers, ex-PNGers in my team. My husband always says, why are you always talking to PNGers and whatever? I said, well, you know, I, I know they're thinking. It's like talking to your sisters and your brothers, you know, and that's good. But I also realized that there were so many skills that I was not good at, like I said before, and I wanted to, to find the right people to help me close. So to find these people, really, what I did is reach out to these entrepreneurs and say, and ask, what do I need for this? What kind of profile is good for this? Do you know anybody? And constantly connect and connect and connect. I ended up actually, my right-hand person is a person that had been an entrepreneur for seven years, who was an expert in digital marketing and was able to complement that area of marketing very, very strongly for me. And then after that, the other thing that I realized is you really need to get people that are comfortable with doing the work, no matter what the work is. If you're used, if you're the kind of person that needs a process for everything and you need resources for everything, this is not for you. You have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and do it yourself. 
I mean, the first big order that we sent to Sephora, I went to the warehouse with my business partner and my husband, and we were there till midnight loading the pallets. We came out of there dirty and sweaty, and it was a huge sense of accomplishment, but I had to do it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to do it every time, but I did it that first time. I learned about it. I knew how important it was. And then I was clear about who would be the person that needs to do this every month, for example. So I think you need to find people that are willing to get their hands dirty, that are willing to go in there and work it, that are not expecting a ton of resources to get the work done. Mm -hmm. And not everybody is like that. There are people that expect, you know, a lot of support to get work done. Yeah, there's a lot of new things that you have to learn when you start your own business. What new things have you and new skills have you had to learn as you've launched? Yeah, there are so many skills that I thought I knew and then I realized I really don't know. For example, cash flow management. It seems we think that okay, you went to business school, you learned it and it's pretty straightforward. But it really hits home when you have to pay payroll every month. And the cash might not be there. So cash flow management, as boring as it may sound, it's absolutely critical. I remember in PNG, we said cash is kin, whatever, you know, (laughs) mean anything. Now cash is kin. So that's a skill that I really needed to learn. It's not hard, but it's something you need to be on top of. The other thing is you really need to learn to open doors for yourself because nobody will open them. You know, when you're PNG, you make one phone call and all the doors are open and the red carpet is rolled in front of you. Whereas now you're nobody, nobody. You really need to develop a kind of like warm and trusting, fuzzy, you know, relationship with your suppliers. Um, my contract manufacturing, if he misses dates and makes mistakes, if I go head to head with him, it's not going to work out. He, I'm not his most important business by any means. So we have a relationship where I'm tough with him, but we also have like, okay, let's go to lunch. You know, there's no entitlement. There's none of that. So, so really have to learn the interpersonal skills so that people are willing to do things for you because no doors will be open for you automatically. That is something that it's, it's hard. It can be hard at the beginning because mm-hmm. you your whole life, everything has been put in front of you and my whole life meaning PNG and, and L'Oreal life, you know? Yeah, and I guess it's the same it's the, with suppliers, but also with retailers that you're not a big company anymore. It's you and your palette. So, I mean, I mean, we're like to get somebody to answer an email from Sephora could be a challenge or they just are not willing to do much for you. And it's it's just so, so difficult. You really have to earn your stripes and work so much harder to get things done. But, you know, at the end, it's so rewarding because you know that you earned it. Nobody gave it to you. You really, really did it yourself and your team. And that is very, very exciting. And it's what makes entrepreneurial so fascinating and it's the reframing of the success you know you're no longer chasing that corner office that promotion that nice pat on the back after a management presentation none of that matters really matters is is that moving the business little by little and then to me it's very important to see my employees many of which are partners in the business also do well because I know that many of them could be making more money somewhere else. 
they're there with me because they believe in what I'm doing. And because hopefully in the end, they're going to get a good financial reward out of this. Mm -hmm. So for me, their success is even more meaningful than when you're in corporate, even though we did care a lot about our employees. The truth is if somebody left, you will replace them, Mm -hmm. right? You find somebody else. Now you feel like they're really, really vested in you and in the business. And I need to be able to reward them for that. Yeah. I'm going to ask you directly about this because it's something that I'm fascinated by and that I work on a lot with my clients. And it's what you said about the definition of success, because how we define success also then affects our path. And and I'm curious how your definition of success, your personal success for yourself has evolved over time. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's just so much more real. It's almost like you're not ever pretending to be anything you're not, you know, not, not, not to say that we were before, but there's always in corporate a standard, a mold to me, the expectations and what kind of factors and things. Whereas now the definition of success is so much more personal and you don't really need to make it much more than that. So for me, my definition of success is to see the growth of the business every single day, little by little, even if it's just one more bottle that we sold, it's enough for me to see the satisfaction of the people that work for me as they achieve these results. I do not care about, a lot of people ask me, oh, when are you going to exit? And how, oh my God, you're going to make so much money. None of that motivates me, at least not at this point. Of course, there's an end goal here, but the motivation is more the sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that is a great feeling of success is when I review like emails to customer send us, the women send us, or the reviews on our page. You feel like you're really making an impact. And you and I grew up in an organization where, you know, improve lives, people was kind of the purpose and the mantra, but you never felt it that close to you. You know, it's not, you were talking to women, say, oh yeah, I got my laundry so much brighter. I mean, you worked in CMK, you might be even closer to that, but now it just comes down to a level of such a personal connection with women that will write to you and say, you've changed my life. I was so insecure with my hair And now my husband is giving me compliments. I feel so much better to go out. And it's not like they're looking like a rock star or like a model. They themselves feel better for whatever little improvement you were able to give them. So that is such a rewarding feeling because you are genuinely helping women. This is a moment in your your life where a lot of women are feeling insecurities. Their, Their bodies are changing, their hair is changing, their skin is changing. Uh, many of them are going through medication or they might've gone through cancer. And all these are very traumatic experiences. And the the moment you give them a little boost of confidence, Hmm. life changes. Yeah. And that is really satisfying, isn't it? Sansolis, you've talked about this a little bit, but why are you so passionate about this particular target group? Well, first of all, the combination of knowing that the industry was not really interested in this segment, just seeing in myself how much I was changing, it's where I realized there's there's an opportunity there, okay? But it, it, I mean, a lot of people ask me, why isn't the big companies 
are not are, having considered this target. I said, well, in part, it's because most of the people that work in this company are 20 or 30, and they just are looking at developing a product, uh, an idea for people that are twice their age, and it just, they can't relate, which that's why keeping women in the f- workforce longer and being able to contribute is so important because how can you expect a 25 year old to develop an idea for a 65 year old I mean it's it's hard yeah I was going to say that actually that there is so much I, I know this is very business oriented but there women in that category are actually massive consumers of all sorts of products it's important to meet their needs and to serve them because they're going to as we used to say in PNG, reward you by buying your products if you give them something that they're really looking for. So I have three kids. My two daughters go to the drugstore and they buy $3 lipstick, right? Yeah. And I yeah. go to Sephora and I buy $25 lipstick. We know we spend more money on beauty than, than the young kids do. So, and we care. We definitely care. It's mm-hmm. not like we're, we're just not interested. So I, I think there's a lot for beauty women, beauty companies to learn. And, and also even though we think it's it's changing, it isn't really. I mean, when I worked at L'Oreal, Spain, I was not even 50, and I was the oldest person in the entire consumer division, in the entire consumer division, which were like 400 people. Mm. How are we going to change that? <laughs> That's the question. Well, I, I, so many women, I know so many women who... And men, I can think of one I met recently who are maybe made redundant at their late 40s or their early 50s. And it's tough to think about what's next uh, because a lot of companies are not open. I think companies, just like over the years, they made a lot of progress in bringing minorities in, like um, Blacks in the case of the US or more female. I think as the boards of the companies and, and leaders of the company have older people sitting there, older females sitting there. It is the role of those older females to change the dynamics under them and pull and protect these people. Just like over the years, many female leaders did that for other female, younger female leaders. It's going to have to come from the top to say, I'm here, um, say, for example, you're a chair of a company or a CEO and you're 55 well you're the one lucky one that made it so far then do something about it so make sure that you ask your business units to keep older people long don't feel the need to make them redundant so quickly I think that's right and I think you're really role modeling something important which is the power and potential of older women Uh, how much they have to bring to business in general. So thank you for that. (laughs) I did want to ask you directly a a couple of questions about leadership specifically, because you are an amazing leader. You've been a leader in corporate. You have launched a successful business. What are some of the leadership principles that you live by? Sure. I mean, anybody that knows me, the first thing is I'm a Total, like, no BS type of leader. I call it like it is. I'm super transparent in so many ways. If things are not working, I will say. If something is broken, I will say. If something is just smells like politics, and I, I'd say. I've always been very, very blunt and transparent, and I continue to be like that. 
The second thing I would say is making choices. And that's relevant whether you work at PNG or you're in a in your own business, because there is so much you can do. I think sometimes the most enabling thing for the organization is to tell them we're not going to work on that because you need to really, really stay focused. Hmm. I love that. So, having having a to-don't list is good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do list. Yeah. And then I would say be the best that you can about what you're good at and then complement your skills with other people. That that brings me to kind of like self-awareness. Over the years, you you understand what is it that you're good at. Just go for it. That doesn't mean that you're not going to try to continually continuously learn other skills, but then surround yourself by people that can really complement your skills. So I think my, my principle here is like self-awareness and taking that to surround your people and create teams that complement each other's skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about the self-awareness to know where you're at your best, what you're the best at, and to make sure that you're getting other people to cover the things that you're not as good at, but not stopping doing new things, as you said, which you yeah, also exactly. demonstrate. Learning. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong learner. I mean, I want to learn about everything. And, and some things are hard. I mean, I tell you, if you go deep into understanding all the analytics behind a Facebook ad, it's hard, but I try, you know, I really try. And so it's just like, try because it's good to understand when you don't understand, you feel like you're in the dark, right? So, and that's what comes back to what you said before about when you are an entrepreneur, when it's your business, you can't afford not to have a basic understanding of everything. You've got to grasp your business. Well, it's been a wonderful conversation. I think we're going to have to draw it to a close. But before we do, I'd love to ask you, what encouragement would you give to other people who are maybe in the middle of their career or getting a bit disillusioned where they are right now? What encouragement would you give them as they kind of approach the end of their 40s or their 50s? I would say don't give up. Don't give up. You might be going through a transition in your career or a company is letting you go, but don't let that get to you. Don't let them take your confidence down. My advice is remove yourself from that toxic environment and move on to another environment where you're valued, where you can thrive. And don't try to fight that environment or, or if fight it, but after a certain point, just move on because you're you you can still find a group of women out there, mentors that can really make you feel good in that environment. Mm-hmm. And that's more and more happening. Again, like just try to be where you can feel good about yourself because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're done and have no value. So whether it is teaching it is starting a business or creating a podcast it's important that you feel productive that you feel that you're not done you know for me it was really important to get the corporate thing out of my head for a while and then start feeling like I could start fresh yeah and you said that before but there are two nuggets hidden in there one is to surround yourself with people who value you and who see your value. And the other one is to start doing something where you can feel productive and you see, you know, that you're adding value. And I 
agree with that wholeheartedly because when you start there, it starts to grow. Confidence starts to build again and you can you can go conquer the world. <laughs> right. I mean, I think it's like when you, you go on a diet and then the first you lose the first two pounds, you start feeling great and you, you feel motivated. It's the same thing. You go to an environment where you're feeling like you're contributing and you're being valued and then you feel that you just you grow in confidence and you want to do more. Mm. Um, so that would be my advice and stay away from the naysayers <laughs> yeah absolutely well thank you so much it's been a wonderful conversation I've enjoyed uh, chatting to you again and hearing how great you're doing with better not younger thank you so much it's been fun as Sonsoles said I really do want to bust the belief that at 50 life is over because you're just really getting started I hope you found that encouraging especially if you're in your mid-career and experiencing questions or doubts about your future direction. It's important to know that you're not alone in feeling this way. Maybe as Sonsolis described, you feel weary and you need some time or space to reflect. This is totally normal and part of the process of re-evaluating where you are in your career, what you really want and how you envision your future. So remember her tip of reaching out for help to people who will truly support you. If to get started in your reflection, you'd like to receive a short self-assessment of your professional life so that you can get a bit more clarity on your areas of satisfaction and dissatisfaction, then do please contact me via email. My address is ruth at yourpathtosuccess.ch. I'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear more stories of leaders stepping up to have an impact in their unique way.